today we are continuing our series called Divergent. And over the last several weeks, I've, I've shared with y'all what divergent means. A divergent just simply means to take a path that is least expected. It means to travel down a road that others don't expect you to travel down. And uh, so we've been trying to think of some things this year that as a church and as believers that we can do in order to be divergent. And one of the things that we've come up with is we've decided that we want to see God move in a hundred people's lives this year. And so we've asked y'all over the last uh, several weeks or reminded you that this year we want to encourage you to find a person that you can pray for, that you can say, God, I just ask that you will minister to this person, that you will work in them, God, that you will use me to serve them, and that this year we'll see them become a follower of Christ. Now, the neat thing about that is we've been doing that just since January 4th, and I had a phone call last week, and a guy said, hey, listen, one of the guys I'm praying for is coming to church today, just pray that God will move in his heart, and last week he became, he became a follower of Jesus. And so I just wanted to share with you what happens when we pray. You know, what happens whenever we actually lift people up and ask God to bring change into people's lives? God does that. So I'm excited to hear uh, more and more people give evidence of God answering their prayers over this year. All right, so divergent. What does it mean? Basically, it means to be different. And I would say that most of us have a desire to be, to be different. Now, I'm not talking about being like weird different. I mean, just so you know, kind of living your life where, where it's not just sort of like running the mill. It's not just like, like mediocre, but, but that, that you do something well. You know, that you stand out, that, that your life makes a difference. And so we want to be different. And, and a neat thing to discover in Scripture is that God calls people to be different. He calls His people to be different than just run of the mill. I mean, listen to what it says in 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16. It says, but as the one who has called you is holy, this is God, it said, you also are to be holy in your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now the word holy means to be set apart. So when God calls for his people, you know, us, to be different, he's saying you are to be set apart from everybody else. You're to live your life differently. Now sometimes we try to grab on to different things in order to live our lives differently. We think, well... If I, have, if I have more, then that means I'm going to be different. If I dress in a certain way, then people will notice me. I will be different. And those things, I mean, those things can be fine. But whenever it comes to God calling us to be different, God's call for his people to be different, it is much more radical than what kind of clothes you wear and, you know, what kind of music you listen to. God's calling on us is very radical because he tells us that the end in life, it's not it's not us. It's him. And he says, if you follow my path, it'll be different, and my path leads to life. In Romans 8, verses 5 and 6, it says, for those who live according to the flesh, think about the things of the flesh. That's normal. But those who live according to the Spirit, about the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh ultimately leads to death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. Now, today in our scripture, what we're going to see is Peter, the guy who wrote this book, he begins to demonstrate and to show us 
how to live lives that are different. And I have no doubt in my mind that, that the people around us need to see, especially Christians, living lives that are different. Living lives that are not just simply run-of-the-mill. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look in 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look in verses 8 through 12. And as a reminder, uh, you know, Peter's the guy that wrote this book. He wrote this book for Christians. And they were, at the time, they were, you know, they're scattered all over the ancient world, basically the, the ancient Roman Empire. And he's writing to them because they, they're undergoing persecution because of their faith. As it wasn't real popular at this time to be a follower of Jesus, I told you at this time Nero was in charge of Rome, hated Christians, you know, burned down Rome, blamed it on the Christians, gave him a chance to, to, to kill a bunch of Christians. So, so the people that are followers of God, they do not want to be different. Because if you are different, you, you stand out, right? And so they're thinking, we just want to blend in. We want to be like everybody else. We don't want people to be, to be looking at us thinking that we're strange or that, that we're drawing attention to ourselves. And so Peter wrote them this book in order to encourage them to let them know that, you know, hey, listen, I know life in the short run, it can be difficult. They said, but I want to remind you that God's plan for your life includes an eternity. That God's plan for your life leads to blessing. And so that's why God wants you to be different. And so for me, whenever I, I see something like that, say, hey, we have a calling to be different. Now, what does that mean? You know, and how do, I, how do I be different? You know, I think sometimes we have these, uh, you know, it's easy for, uh, you know, for me as a, you know, as a pastor, so, well, I've got to be different than everybody else, and so I've got to act super holy and all this stuff so that people will know that I'm different. But, but you know, in the, in the long run, what's the best way for me to go? What's the best way for you to go to be different? Well, let's see what the Bible says. Here's what Peter says. If you'll be different, here's what being different means. He said being different starts off by saying it starts with love. Okay, now obviously you're in church. Of course you're going to say that. All right, but listen to what he says. And I like this. Uh, verse number 8, he says, Now finally, all of you should be like-minded and sympathetic. You should love believers. In other words, we're supposed to love each other as Christians. And be compassionate and humble. Now, whenever I think about, about this passage of Scripture, it tells me how I'm to, what I'm to do. I'm, it says I'm to love and when it speaks of love, oftentimes in the Bible, I have a sense of conviction. Because when I think about how I love, oftentimes I love expecting to get something in return. Now, I'm not just here today to, to like bash myself. I want to bash you as well. Because I want you all to, you do the same thing. Yeah, we do the same thing. When, when we love, typically it's like, well, I will love, and I'm loving and serving and doing these things. Because as I do that, I know that I'm, I'm going to get something back in return for doing it. You know, if I do a good deed, then I'm, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back on me. You know, what comes around goes around. Y'all, that is not to be the mantra of a follower of Jesus. Okay, so we're called, we're called to love. Now, the kind of love that we typically have, the selfish kind of love, that is not, that's not biblical love. But listen to what the Bible says in Luke 6, 33-35. It says, if you do what is good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those to whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But here's the kicker right here. But love your enemies. Do what is good 
and lend expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Now, that's why Peter lets us know that if we love like the Scripture says, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be different. Because people don't love like that normally, right? So if, if you want to stand out, if you want to be different, how God calls you to be different, then you are called to love. Now, we're in church, and obviously, you know, we speak about love. We're like, oh, yes, yes, we should all love, right? I mean, I've, I'm all for it. But what does that mean? Yeah, I struggle with, I mean, the whole idea, how do you define love? I mean, what in the world is it? You know, you need to be loving to other people. Now, if that involves me hugging and kissing people, you forget it. You know, so I'm like, you know, pride, I mean, what does that mean? You know, what does it mean to me to, to love somebody? Because that sounds kind of weird. I mean, we're in church, so it's good, but, you know, practically we're like, I don't want to do that. So, so how do I love? Well, Peter fortunately gives some practical, some practical examples of what love is. He says that we are to be, uh, we are to be sympathetic and like-minded with our fellow believers. That's a demonstration of love, to be sympathetic with people. Now, this does not mean, when he says that we're to be like-minded, it does not mean that we are to, we're to think alike, we're to be alike, we're to dress alike. And I think as Christians sometimes, we, we kind of we get messed up and we stumble over this one because we say, well, if, if, if that person's not like me, then there's something wrong with them. And, you know, it's, and sometimes we, you know, as, I love, y'all, as Christians, it's great when we serve God. It's awesome. But you know, we can be weird you know, I see people say, well, I really don't know if he's a Christian or not. You know, he's got dreadlocks. Oh, yeah, that's a big spiritual one there. Or, you know, I, I'm a little bit worried about where they are in their spiritual maturity because their radio is not tuned to 89.7. Now, now let me, let me tell you, now, those things are, I mean, if you, if, if you listen to 89.7, that's great. Um, but I don't have a problem with that. Steve FM is a little, little, little more along my lines. But anyway, but there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the deal. God, God is diverse. People are different. Have y'all, I mean, have y'all noticed that? For those of you who are married, you know, you married somebody, you thought you were alike, then you get married. You're different, you know, which is a great thing, which I love that. But we're different. And we like different music. You know, have you noticed that, that God created people differently? You know, we have different colors. We come from different places. There's different music. Is, are those, is, there, is one better than another? No, well, not necessarily. I mean, it's just different. And there's nothing wrong with differences. But where we are to be unified, when it says be like-minded, we are different, but we are to be like-minded in where our hope in this life is found. Well, where's our hope? Y'all, only one place. It's Jesus. It can't be in anything. If you're looking for an eternal hope, if you're looking for redemption and restoration and forgiveness, you might say, well, I have different ideas than, than what Scripture says. Well, that's, we can have different ideas, and that's fine, but here's the deal. There's only one creator. There's only one God. There's only one redeemer, one mediator between God and man. It's Jesus. And so we are to be like-minded in where our hope is, and our like-mindedness is to be in Christ. And the way you demonstrate love is you point people to him because it's the only hope people have. And we try, we try to find hope in different stuff. We try to think, if I have more, then things will be better. If I take care of myself physically, then I can prolong my life. And there's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. But those are, those are temporary fixes. 
that lasts forever. The only one who provides lasting hope is Jesus. And the way we love is we let people know that. Because it's good news. And we're promised forgiveness and restoration and eternal life. You know, one of my favorite, favorite verses in the Bible was when Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 through 30, he said, all of you take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A pastor had preached on this uh, passage of scripture and a man came up to him in his church. He's a, he'd grown up on a farm and he said, my dad had, my dad had ox, oxen, my dad had oxen. And uh, he said they'd plow the fields and he said he had a, a mature ox, a big bull, and he said then there would be a younger one, and he said he'd always yoke them together. And he was like, well, that's kind of weird. I mean, they can't, you know, one's stronger than the other. I mean, what's up with that? And he said that his dad, once the, the, the larger ox, the mature ox, would have, he would, he would carry the, the bigger part of the yoke. He would bear the brunt of the weight, whereas the younger ox would have a lighter part of the yoke. He wasn't pulling as much weight. And what was happening is he was being trained. And so he would just simply walk by I walk with the larger ox in order to learn how to plow the field, but he wasn't pulling the weight. And he said, that's, that's what that verse means. That's what Jesus is doing. So when you put yourself under Jesus' yoke, he said, Jesus is carrying the brunt, and you just simply learn how to walk next to him. Now, guys, whenever I, I look into our scripture, what does it mean to love? What it means is to let people know that there is a God who wants to carry your burden. If you try to carry the burden of life by yourself, have y'all, y'all, life, it can be hard. If you try to carry everything all by yourself, it can be crushing. But when you discover and somebody shares with you that there is a God who wants to lighten your load and carry the burden, it can be transformative for your life. How do we be different? Well, Peter says you, you love. That means we We share. Well, how else do we be different? And this one is an interesting one. We, we'd be different by watching our speech, by watching our words. Uh, look with me in verse number, let's see, verse number 9. Peter said, you're not to pay back insult, or pay back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the, on the contrary, giving a blessing, since you were called for this, so that you can inherit a blessing. And this is interesting to me because the guy who is telling us to watch what we are saying is this man named Peter. And if you read about Peter, whenever he first becomes a disciple, one thing you discover about Peter is he's an impulsive guy. He, he speaks oftentimes without thinking. It's why I like him so much. And so then all of a sudden, you know, and here's Peter giving people advice on, on having self-control. Yeah, you remember what happened whenever they came to arrest Jesus in the garden? You remember what Peter did? Does anybody remember? He pulled out a sword and lopped a guy's ear off. He wasn't trying to cut his ear off. He was trying to cut his head off. Now, so this is the guy who's saying, y'all need to be self-controlled. Now, I know that I try to cut a guy's head off, but y'all listen to me. So, I mean, what's going on here? Well, at this point in Peter's ministry, he's older now. You know, Peter's a guy who's now a seasoned believer, and he has learned that when I, when I live my life and I'm trying to base everything I do off of how I feel and my emotions, it really doesn't work out too well. And I've learned that for myself, or I'm learning that for myself. When I make decisions based off my emotions, y'all, if I did that all the time, there would not be a living motorist on I-26. I mean, it's just not, it's not a good way to go. So what, what does Peter say that we are supposed to do? 
Well, he says that when you follow Jesus, one thing it's going to do is it's going to affect the way that you speak to others. Well, look at what he tells us. He tells us that when someone curses you, what are you to do? To bless them. When someone insults you, what are you to do? You're to praise them. What's that one? What, how, how do we do that? You know, the people he was writing to, they were, they were returning the way they were treating. They were, they were returning it back to people. When people wanted to fight them, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll bring it on. You know, when people, were, when people would lash out against them, they would lash out at them. When people would get in their face and curse them, they would curse back at them. And from the human perspective, I'm like, I, man, I get that. Yep, y'all do too, because I've seen some of you in action. You know, like, what's, a, what's going on here? So is Peter saying that I'm supposed to be a doormat for other people? It's not what he's saying. In verse number 9, he says, on the contrary. On the con- contrary means divergent. He says the way, the way that you live is to be different. He said, when speak, people speak to you in insults, you praise them. When people curse you, you bless them. That's how you were divergent. That's how we're to be divergent. Now, what, what does it mean to give somebody a blessing? The word blessing means you are to pronounce a good word on someone. Now, who's someone? Well, it's actually, that someone means everyone, whether they are good to you or bad to you. You are to bless them by pronouncing a good word on them. That, that, that gives me a little pause. Why would I want to do that? Here's why. And this is something that you know and I know. Words are powerful. Right? Can you think of a time when somebody spoke a word to you that was just such a blessing to you? That it meant so much to you? Can you think of a time when somebody blessed you with their words? Can you think of a time when someone shared a word with you that set your hair on fire? Yeah, words are, words are incredible. Words, words, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never, never hurt me. That bull. Words are powerful. So what Peter says, you watch your speech. I mean, let me give you an example of, of life-giving speech. There's a, a story of a little girl. There's a lady who wrote an article. and She said, when I was a little girl in the 1950s, she said, I, I had a cleft palate. She said, the kids would make fun of me at school. And she said, I would, I would cover my face. She said, I didn't want to be around anybody because I didn't like people picking on me. I felt alone. I didn't feel like anybody liked me. I didn't think I had any value. He said, well, back in those days, she said, the teacher every year would give a, a, a hearing test. She called it the, they called it the whisper test back then. And so what you would do is you would uh, go stand at, like, the doorway, and the teacher would whisper something softly to see if you could hear her. And she, the teacher would say something like, you know, the, the sky is blue. And then you'd repeat it back. And the, the, the goal was that she, the, the student was the only one that could hear it that was in the doorway. And so she would say those things, or, you know, the, a bird flies, and the kid would reply. And, and it was Mary's turn, and Mary was nervous. And so she walked up there because she, she didn't want people looking at her. And she walked up there, and the teacher whispered something that she said. She said, what she said changed my life. She said, she whispered very softly. She said, I wish you were my daughter. And she said, when she heard those words, she said, for the first time, I felt like my life had value. For the first time, I felt like somebody loved me and cared for me. And she said, and it changed my life. Guys, let me tell you something. People all around us need to be touched 
with words of life. Because we have a world of people that have been taught from the very beginning that your life is an accident. That you have no, there is no plan for your life. You're just here, you live, and you die. But the words of encouragement that come from God is, I made you, you are not an accident. I have a plan for you, I have a future for your life. And those are words people need to hear. So how do we be different? Well, it starts with love. It starts with us watching our words, using our words for life. And the last thing I want us to see is being different requires this. It requires resistance. Now, I'm going to read the final two verses, or three verses, verses 10 through 12. It says, for the one who wants to love life and to see good days, says he must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their request. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, the, uh, to me, the key word in these verses is in verse number 10 where it tells us that we are to keep from evil. And that word keep, it means to resist. It means to bind up and to stay away from, to keep it under control. Now, now why does he say that we have to bind it up and to keep it under control? And here's why. Because in our nature... Our nature is to go after evil. Our nature is to go after the path of least resistance. It's, I mean, it's true in nature. You know, water flows downhill. It's never flowing uphill. It flows downhill. I mean, it's, it's true with us as people. It, I, my, my nature is to take the easy route. It's never to take the route that will make me stronger. You know, that will build me up. Because if you're going to become stronger, it takes effort. Is that right? It takes, you have to, resistance training. I'd prefer not to do that. You know, I mean, it's easier, it's easier to, to read Facebook than to read your scripture. It's easier to watch television than it is to talk to your spouse. There's a whole lot of things. It's easier for me to, to not control my temper than it is for me to actually control it. Now, now what would happen if, 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 what would happen if, we, if we just lived according to the path of least resistance? Well, a, a good example to think of is just simply, for those of you who are parents, when your kids were little, what if you just told your kids, y'all get to do whatever you want, and you get to make your own decisions. When it comes to mealtime, y'all choose what you want to eat. What do you think your kid's going to choose to eat, other than you who are perfect people? What do you think, what, do you, what are your kids going to choose to eat? Are they going to choose to eat kale? Or are they going to go after Pop-Tarts and Donuts at church? I can tell you what they're going to do. Pop-Tarts and Donuts. Uh, when, whenever it comes to, you know, whenever it comes to, uh, to, to spiritual things. Or actually, let's go back to kids. When it comes to our kids, you say, okay, you, you have a choice. You get to make the decision. You can play Xbox or you can work in the yard. I mean, what are your kids going to do? They're going to take the path of least resistance. So what do children need? Our children need parents to rise up and to teach our children discipline. Because discipline actually strengthens you. The Bible tells us, our scripture tells us, being a man of peace, a man of integrity, a man of truth, it does not happen without training. Verse number 11 says we are to seek peace and pursue it. Seeking and pursuing, those are not passive words. 
Those are words that indicate training, that indicate discipline. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seeking means effort. Seeking means it takes discipline to go after his things. Now here's what I know about myself. If I'm not constantly putting myself in God's word, if I'm not constantly surrounding myself with other believers and worshiping God, here's my tendency. It is to spiritually erode. And so I have to constantly seek after the things of God so that I will develop like a muscle memory in walking with God so that when things come my way, it becomes second nature for me to just do the right thing time and time again. Here's the example for me. I like to play golf, but I'm not good at it. There's a couple of reasons why. One is talent, uh, but number two is I do not practice. Yeah, the same, practice makes perfect. Okay, it, it's true. Every once in a while, I'll go up and I'll hit, a, I'll hit a golf ball and go, where did that come from? That was awesome. But I can't repeat it. Why? Because I don't ever practice. If you're going to be good at whatever it is, if you're going to be good at golf, you have to create like a muscle memory where you're swinging the same way time and time and time again. Right, Greg? Yeah. Same way, because if you do that over and over again, I'm surprised you're here because he's normally doing that on, uh, during this time. I'm just teasing. Uh, but you want to create a muscle memory so that regardless of what's happening, that it's just second-hand nature. This, I, I swing correctly. So my, my hope is for me, my hope is for believers, is that whenever temptation comes our way, that we have built in our muscle memory spiritually, that how God has called for us to live so that those things don't pull us away from God. It's my hope that as we create a muscle memory with God and walking with Him and following Him, that when someone insults us and when someone curses us, that it will just be, it'll be second nature in how we're going to respond, that we're going to respond in a Christ-like manner. That sounds good, doesn't it? But if it's going to happen, you know what it requires? Practice. Requires conditioning. Let me share with you a few ways that you can condition yourself. One thing is, this is why I believe that the church is important. I think it's so important that as believers that we come together to worship together, because it is a way that we are acknowledging to God, saying, God, this is the first day of the week, and I am, I am giving this time to you as a way to acknowledge that you are God, that you are most important. That's why we encourage people in small groups, our V group ministry. So if you're not a part of one, if you're looking for one, that you'll get involved so that you can find a group of people who are going to look into Scripture together, who can hold one another accountable, who can discover in a practical way what it means to live out what Scripture says. That's why we're encouraging you this year to pray for others. To pray, to ask that God would, would change somebody's life, a person that you know, that God would use you to minister to them. And then as you pray for them every week, you know, just occasionally let that person know, I'm praying for you. You know what that'll do? That encourages them. Guys, God has called his people, he's called us to be different well, how can we be different? Let's love, let's watch our words, and let's resist. Let's be disciplined. And whenever people see that, they will see 
that we truly are different for the purpose of honoring God. Yeah.